Hi, this is Sam. And this is Anuel. And this is Murderous Intention. Hey guys, um, I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Let's bring on 2022. Can't wait. I know. I'm ready. I'm ready for the season. <laughs> well, you know how we ended last season with like a story of heroism where she outlived the brutal crime that was committed to her? Right. Well, we're not going to go with that kind of story again. Um, this one is its an old-time story. Uh, um, uh, and it's so really... you're done with the she-ism? You're done with that? Yeah. That's it. Okay. Well, just for, just for right now. Just for right now until I find another story. Okay. Um, but... This one is, we're going to bring you back to like the 1976. Um, and we're going to go down to New York City. New York City. Okay. Yep. I was born in New York City, so I'm, I'm good. I like that. I was born in the Bronx. Same thing, New York City. Yeah. I was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> Um, so if you haven't figured it out, guys, if I said 1976 and I said we're going to New York City and you haven't figured out what case we're talking about, shame on you. Shame, shame. Um, so this might be a two, two part podcast. It might not depending on how everything flows. Um, but this case is about. David Berkowitz, also known as the Son of Sam, also the forty-four caliber killer. Um, yeah. Which that one is one that people barely ever heard. Like back then, yeah. yeah but it was it's not something that they normally hear nowadays. But yeah. um, he is more known for the whole Son of Sam issue. Right. You know. Yeah, I've always, I've always known it as the son of Sam. I, of course, I was born thirteen days after his arrest. So. Oh shoot. My parents know about it. Um, my wife knows about it because she's older than I am. But you know, that's it. You, I, I, I you know that because that's your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was. I had ten more years to be able to come down. Um, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> you weren't even a, a thought. No. Mind. No, I wasn't. My mom was about having fun at this moment. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to go into this case and we're going to, uh, try to kind of like get all the information for you, give you guys every detail. There are some parts I'm going to skip over. I don't want to get into the gruesome stuffs. Um, well, there's not really gruesome, gruesome, but the whole like yeah. technicalities of everything. I just want to get to the nitty gritty. Um, 
So let's go on. So as I said, uh, David Berkowitz, he's also known as, you know, he's an American serial killer who murdered six people in New York City between 1976 and 1977, which plunging the city into a panic and unleashing one of the largest manhunts in New York history. He was also known as, like I said, the son of Sam. So Berkowitz was arrested on August 10th of 1977. 11 days after his last murder and he was sentenced to six consecutive 25 years to life terms so yeah i'm giving you guys the good news you know he he is he's first of all he still is alive um he's oh that's french (laughs) anybody who's french i'm sorry if you take it to offense it's just i don't like cursing and i didn't want to you know curse right away yeah. Um, but yeah, so he ain't coming out anytime soon. Uh, now so he got six consecutive life sentences. Is that right? Six he got no. Well, they said twenty five to life. Remember back then, they, that's how they used to word it. Okay, right. Which is basically he's right. gonna spend his whole life in jail anyway. And if he had to come out now, forty four years later. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, he's not coming out. Yeah. He he he's gonna be drinking margaritas from the toilet. Okay, I didn't know that that can actually happen, but okay. <laughs> it's something I saw on Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Is that um, cheaper than the regular margarita? What What was that again? Is that cheaper than the regular margarita? Yeah. Yeah. It just it, you just might get some infections <laughs> on the way down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So just just a heads up, guys. Uh, if you hear like a whining sound, um, that is my big boy. Uh, he wants to come in, but he doesn't want to come in when I offered him to come in and he's sitting by my door whining for my attention. And when I say my big boy, it's my dog. Yeah. Uh, he's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. He is. I have to, I have three ankle biters in the room and they're quiet right now. So they might start screeching as well. So yeah, no, I hear him. That's the way it is when you have dogs. True. Okay, so in his early life, which I'm just gonna like kind of like pace it right through, um, he was actually born Richard David Falco, um, to an improvised Jewish mother on June 1st of 1953 in Brooklyn, New York. Ha, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, there you go. Um, so Berkowitz was adopted by a Jewish American hardware store realtor, Nathan and Pearl Berkowitz, when he was just like a few days old. Um, he was Mm -hmm. reportedly a smart child, but was troubled in his own ways, which apparently, I guess later on, we figure that out, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, having been close to his mother 
he had a very difficult time as a teenager coping with her death. Um, and then at the age of 18, Berkowitz um, enlisted in the U.S. Army and served in South Korea, where he excelled as a proficient marksman. Okay. So, if for people who don't understand what a marksman is, they are basically the ones who. Okay, so yeah. how to put this a nice way? Um, so basically, I can shoot somebody from far away, and I will get my target. Yeah, kind of like a sniper. Snipers, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and he was very good at it. Um, so, so after finishing his uh, military service in 1974, Berkowitz returned to New York, where he got a job as a letter sorter in the U.S. Postal Service, and settled into a an apartment in Yonkers. Neighbors and coworkers described him as a loner who kept himself. You know, typical. Yeah. Typical. Which, you know, anybody who looks at it from the outside point of view would be like, okay, well, he served in in war. He saw some stuff. You know, he probably just right. wants to be alone, you know. Right. So, yeah. which is probably why a lot of people did not figure that he would be that type of person. Um, so, now we're going to go to the murders, okay. Um, so, on okay. July 29th, 1976, Berkowitz began his killings. His killing rampage, um, starting with two teenage girls, Jody Valentine and Donna Laurie, um, and they were in the Bronx. The two, the two girls were sitting in Valentine's car in front of Laurie's home when Berkowitz shot at them, killing Laura. Oh, my Laura. eye, sorry. Laura and Loria and injuring Valentine. Val Valenti, I can never, yeah, I can never pronounce people's names correctly. Then a few months later, Berkowitz was at it again. He spots a couple at another parking in an at another parked car, okay, mm -hmm. and he fired at them, resulting in a massive injury to the man's skull that. November, Berkowitz also shot at two teen girls walking home together and left one paraplegic. Police around this time had yet to put these shootings incidents together to realize they were related. Um, but wow. at but all that changed in in January 1977 when Berkowitz attacked another couple in a parked car approaching Christine Ferrell and her fiancé. Berkowitz shot twice, striking Christine's head, which later proved to be fatal. Because Berkowitz used the same forty-four caliber gun in all his shootings, the police were on his trail, initially referring to him as the forty-four caliber killer. Remember that from earlier? Yeah. Which later evolved to the Son of San moniker. Um, so that March, Berkowitz murdered college student Virginia Voskarishi. Voskarishi, um, as she was, <laughs> um, she was walking home from school from her class. 
The next month, Berkowitz claimed another couple, Valentina Suriani and Alexander Isau, in their car. But this time, he left a letter nearby addressed to the NYPD Captain Joseph Borelli, calling himself the son of Sam for the first time. Throughout his murderous streak, Berkowitz left numerous letters near his victims' bodies, taunting the police and eluding the um, the capture. As a result, the media coverage of his crimes were widespread, and Berkowitz relished the spotlight. All the all the while, New Yorkers lived in fear being of being his next victim. Like some of the girls, they would, mm-hmm. you know, keep their hair in, you know, in ponytails. Some of the girls will, you know, change their hair color because all these girls were brown hair girls. Um, so they would go yes. and there'd be peroxides were going off the shelf. Um, kerchiefs um, were going off the shelf, which is just another, it's another style of, a bandana or a scarf as we call them now um mm-hmm. but yeah girls were in the thing where they were like i'm cutting my hair i'm changing the way i style my hair just to kind of like avoid being the next victim right you know mm-hmm. so yeah. his final hit happened um in the early hours of july 31st 1972, I mean, second, oh my God, 1977 in Brooklyn. He shot Stacey Moskowitz and Bobby Violenti. Moskowitz, she died later, um, and Valentin was blinded in one eye and lost, lost most of his vision in the other from his injuries. Fortunately for the police, a witness noticed something at the scene that happened in that happened and it happened to also assist with cracking the case. So what happened was she saw a man um running to a car. She heard the shots and then a little while later she sees a man um going to a yellow uh Volkswagen and it ended up getting a ticket because of where it was parked. So she noticed that he he was taking the ticket off. So she goes and she lets the cops know, you know, what the case and scenario was. And that's how the cookie starts to crumble for Berkowitz. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go into his arrest and his imprisonment. And then we're going to hop into his crazy excuse of why this all happened. And I know it seems like I am just rampaging through. Trust me. Um, I really don't want to spend two, two parts on this gentleman. I shouldn't call him a gentleman. But there's a lot of craziness that happens behind the scene more than just what's, yeah. what was out there, you know? Yeah. So... At the scene of the murder, um, at the scene of uh, Moscow's and Vance shooting, a witness saw a man getting away in a car that had a parking ticket on it. Remember what I said? So only a handful of tickets were given out that day, and one of them was for Berkowitz. So remember, Berkowitz lives in Yonkers. Okay, and now he, he gets a ticket in Brooklyn, 
around the same time that wow. the shooting happened, you know, you can be like, okay, well, those two don't make sense, you know? No, no, At this point, you should, what do you have to be in the Bronx, in Brooklyn for? I keep want to say the Bronx, you know, mm-hmm. when you live in Yonkers. That's, that's a big difference, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the distance is not from here to, you know, the next block or anything. It's far. Yeah. I think you go, when you're going into the city, the first place you hit is Yonkers. And then I think it's the, I think it's what, um, either Manhattan or the Bronx first. And then it's like somehow you get into Brooklyn and then Queens. Well, no, um, from Yonkers, you hit Bronx first and then you could go into Manhattan or Bronx and kind of separate that way. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I I was trying to remember. I haven't took an Amtrak in so long, um, and I normally drive, yeah. so I normally go where I need to go, you know, and I avoid all that. Yeah. But I do see the Yonkers sign a lot um, prior yeah. to going into, which lately it's been, before it used to be always where I was going into the Bronx, and now lately it's just I go to Manhattan, and it's always like to take the kids to one of the museums or, you know, go to Times Square. Which I don't do yeah. anything important there. I just like to go and be a tourist for a few. It's nice yeah. to feel tourism. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. So on August tenth, nineteen seventy-seven, authorities arrest him. According to the New York Times, Berger said that, "Well, you got me." When they took him into custody. Which, in my head, I see it as a comical moment because, like, if I knew I shot six people, right, and I see two cops coming at me, you really think I'm going to say, oh, you got me, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, here, hands up, okay, you got me. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm like, yeah. oh, what, what's going on, officer? What happened? Yeah. What? I did what? No, sir. No, sir. Not me. Not I. Not little David over here. I'm sorry. I'm being sarcastic. Sorry. So, now, during his questioning, Berkowitz explained that he had been compelled, better yet, let's say commanded, to kill mm-hmm. by his neighbor. Sam Carr, now remember this, his neighbor's name is Sam Carr, okay? And he's saying that his neighbor's dog, okay, sent him messages. No, wait, I'm messing this up. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to reevaluate that. Okay, so he's saying that his neighbor, Sam Carr, sent messages to Berkowitz via his dog. What? A demon, <laughs> you're going to laugh, a demon-possessed Labrador retriever named Harvey. So this is what he's saying. So David is saying, <laughs> Sam is like, mm, listen, go tell Berkowitz. Are you listening to me, Harvey? Harvey, go tell Berkowitz. I want him to go kill these two little girls that are in their car just chit-chatting. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, boy. I'll get your biscuit. 
<laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. And then it's like, in my head, I'm seeing like a family guy moment. Like, this is actually going through. But in real life, I cannot see it. <laughs> you know? Like, I just want to tell him, I'm like, sweetie, sweetie, come with a better excuse. Give me something a little more, you know, better than that. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So he says that. So due to his outrageous claim, Berkowitz underwent numerous psychological evaluations but was declared competent to stand trial. Yeah. So everybody figured yeah. he's just saying this to go and um, kind of like say that he was insane at the moment of the shootings, you know, which right. is kind of like, dude, could you make up anything better than that though? <laughs> you know? Um, he, in was to, he, was, like, he was looking to plead insanity. Yeah, he was. Like, what kind of story? Oh, my dog told me, oh, my neighbor's dog told me to kill these people. I had nothing to do with it. It was just the dog. That's like, yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, why, yeah. dude? Why? <laughs> so, yeah. in 1978, Berkowitz plead gu- uh, pleads guilty to the six killings, as well as a as nearly 150, not 100, yeah, um, no. 1,500 fires he had set in in and around New York City. He received 25 oh, wow. years to life for each murder. Berkowitz's sentencing hearing was dramatic. He tried to jump out of a window of the seventh floor courtroom upon hearing the judge's decision. So bad enough, like what he did was like, why? Why, dude? Why? These people had lives. You had a life. You know, you served the country and yet you're gonna do this. Um, so it was just like an amped up show that was going on. Um, but since his arrest, right, Berkowitz mm-hmm. retracts his the doggy made me do it scenario. Um and claims that it was all a hoax, just a silly little hoax, which, hello, common sense. We all figure that. We all put two to two together, you know? We knew yeah. you were BSing. Um, yeah. Like, if he would have said, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, from certain times, there I had trigger and I end up having, like, a flashback that I was back in South Korea. You know, that I could see, I think that it would have been like, oh, okay, maybe he has, well, I don't even think back then post-traumatic PTSD was uh, even around at that time. But still, like, go ahead. Well, it, it was a thing, it just wasn't diagnosed as PTSD. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, like, I think if he would have said that, like, oh, you know, I ended up getting a trigger and I saw them as the enemy and I was back in my, you know, and I had to kill them and just to make it through, you know? Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that would have been more rationale and more understanding if he would have came up with that. Um, and don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to make excuses for him so he could try to get his butt out. But it's just like, if you're going to make an excuse, Make a more logical one, you know. Yeah, make it. I mean, like he had, he experienced enough 
to make a better excuse than the one he made. Yes. Like, you know, PTSD, as we know right now, everyone knows that who anyone that has ever served has come back with it in some form or another. So mm -hmm. him just saying, hey, listen, I saw them. I thought they were the, I was back in Vietnam or wherever I was, and I just started killing because I saw them as the enemy. Yeah. That's it. Everybody would have believed them. Everybody would have believed them. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, they would have been like, yep, nope, we got you, man. Let's go and yeah. take you to the hospital. Let's get you, you know, evaluated, get you, you know, taken care of. Boom. Yeah. That would have been more understanding, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Poor guy. Um, so, in March 2019, 79, the letter, um, he ended up explaining that, that it was a silly hoax to his psychiatrist, Dr. David Abba Hamson. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I said that right. Um, mm -hmm. He also made statements that he had been part of a violent cult that helped him carry out the murders and that fellow members, John and Michael Carr, Sam Carr's son, okay, oh, assisted wow. him. He also, Berkowitz has been paid substantial sums of money to share his story. However, nearly all states, including New York, have since passed laws, sometimes, sometimes known as the Son of Sam laws, to prevent convicts, convicted criminals from financially profiting from books, movies, and other enterprise related to their crimes. Um, so basically, if you make money out of a book, it's going to the families, the victims that were included in that. So although there are numerous media um, renditions of the Son of Sam case, Berkowitz does not financially profit from any works by him or anyone else. So, in 1996, Yonkers police reopened Berkowitz's case. Now, you're going to say, why? Okay, well, here's the thing. Remember, he said he wasn't alone. He was in a very violent cult um, of satanic, satanic worshippers who they all took a part in killing. And he said that you know, he only did, um, I'm trying to remember which, which ones he says, but he's, he basically says that, you know, they all took a part in the crime. He wasn't, he didn't do all of it. So gotcha. in 1996, they wanted to make sure because if anybody remembers the, basically at one point, one of the descriptions during the murders was that was going on, um, at one point, they were saying that it was a skinny, it was a, a slender, blonde, shaggy hair guy. Another one was a, a chunky, shaggy, curly hair, brown guy. You know, and some people say, oh, it looked like a wig. But some people said that he was slender. And we all know that David Berkowitz is five foot eight, chunky. And at that time, he had like a wavy brown hair. Um, so if you hear my dogs barking, I don't know why, but they're just barking. Um, so sorry about that. 
So because of this, and there was like so many different pinpoints going on, they reopened the case yeah. in 1996 um, to investigate some of his claims that he was making. But since there was no significant findings, the investigation has been suspended and this remains unclosed. Okay, so the case is still there where they reopened it, but because there's no proof that, well, there's not enough proof to go and kind of like justify this, they're like basically, they're leaving it in the back burner, you know? They're like, okay, well, we got David Berkowitz, we got somebody, no other crimes has been happening, we're good, you know? Yeah. So that's their point of view, in my opinion. But I think there's other things that they should have gone with. But okay. That we're going to go with when it comes to the conspiracy theory <laughs> in a little bit. Um, so although he, will, he has been put up for parole on numerous occasions, most recently it was in 2016, and he will be el- eligible... Well, no, it was on 2018 would be his 16th time being up for Pharrell. Um, But either way, he's he's always getting denied and for the release. So Berkowitz is currently serving his time in Shawagan Correctional Facility in Walk Hill, New York. Oh, Walk Hill. Okay. Yeah. So, while in prison, Berkowitz has become an evangelic Christian. Instead of son of Sam, he prefers now to be called son of hope. As, <laughs> as seen in his books, Son of Hope, the Prison Journals of David Berkowitz. And that was published in 20... 06. And it featured it was featured on his website, which is run by his supporters. Um, because he so in his book and on his site, um, he provides an apology to his victims um and their families in prison. Berkowitz continues to write journals, essays on faith and repentance, as well as contributing to school-based projects for students in psychology, criminology, and sociology. And he he wants to, he, it's for whoever wants to learn more about the criminal mind and the criminal justice system. So on December 12, 2017, prison officials reveal that Berkowitz has been transferred from Shawangook Correctional Facility to a nearby hospital. Although in the in the official, although the officials would not offer specific medical details, the New York Post and the Times Union of Albany reported that Berkowitz was sent to undergo a heart surgery. In February 2018, the New York Post reported that Berkowitz had a heart attack prior to his first surgery in December. In late January of 2018, he had to undergo further treatment and return to the hospital after experiencing complications. 
So, yeah. Now, some conspiracy theories that there are was one, and it's, it's basically the major one, um, and I, I kind of found it where it was mm-hmm. like, what? So, a lot of people, they, um, and I have like this whole trans, like a whole communication transaction that was going on um, in an interview. Now, if you guys ever seen that um, epi- that series on Netflix um, for the Son of Sam, um, you'll get the same basic like information that I had gotten. Um, the interview is not fully on there, but they do show a briefing of it. Um, and mm-hmm. it basically states that, you know, a lot of people kind of, how do I put it? So in August of 1977, the world got a glimpse of the son of Sam, David Berkowitz. Um, So when he was arrested and paraded around, claiming he killed six people, wounded seven, the demon of the decade had turned out to be a humble-looking, chubby, smiling man, a postal worker, okay? The lone gunman was behind the whole city's reign of terror, and the city could now move on. Unless, of course, the New York Police Department, Lone Gunman, was just a theory and wrong. So, what what most does not, what most people don't know about the Son of Sam case is that from the beginning, not everyone brought the idea of Ber- that Berkowitz acted alone. On a list of skeptics, police who worked out the case, even the prosecutor from Queens were were five of the shootings um, took place. In addition, Berkowitz himself, in a little-known interview done years after the killings, claimed there were there were other shooters. You know, and he was naming names. You know, he said it. Um, if I'm right, he said John and um. I had his name in my head. Um, the other son, Sam's, yeah. Sam Carr's um, sons were involved in this. Yeah, right. You know, but perhaps most surprising is what Dateline recently mm-hmm. learned that the arrest of David Berkowitz didn't actually close the son of Sam case. In Berkowitz's hometown, it is still an it's still not officially closed. Remember, I told you they didn't close it; right. they just put it to the back burner. So the official story is that back in 1970s, the best time and the worst of times, it was full of wisdom and foolishness. You know, we they were all having fun. They were all enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. The city season of disco lights would give way to darkness. It all started early on the morning of July 29th, 1976, outside a Bronx apartment building in what seemed like an inci- an isolated killing. So that's when he had killed the 18 years old um the 18 years old lady um and was she was shot dead while she was sitting in her car with her girlfriend. And when we say girlfriend back in then it wasn't like girlfriend now. It was, you know, your what we called girlfriends, you know, like I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriends, you know. Wow. 
I just want to clear that up because I know it can nowadays it can get very like what? So well, then it was it was really the word girlfriend, like her friend that was a girl. Yeah. In the simplest of terms, not like my girlfriend boyfriend type. Yeah. Like we use it now. Exactly. Right. Got it. So then on October 23rd, eight miles away in a different part of New York City, um, the borough of Queens, Carl DeNaro was riding with his date looking for a place to park. The shooter crept up to the up behind the car. Carlo DeNaro um states, and the next thing you know, there was glass all over. He felt like the car exploded. Um later on, he finds out that he was shot. Um, there was no apparent relationship between the shootings. A month later, on the night of November 27, 1976, again in Queens, two young one, two young girls were sitting on the front of their porch. A man approached, asked for directions, then pulled out a gun and fired. Both girls were seriously wounded. Um, and still, there were with three shootings in different parts of the city, no connections were made by the police. Two months later, in January 1977, Christina, Christine was sitting with her fiancé in the car, parked near a train station in Queens. Three shots hit her from behind, killing her. Just a block away, a little more than a month later in March, another woman was shot in the face as she walked home from college. She died instantly. Then police worked the crime scenes independently, but it was ballistics that first saw a pattern, theorizing that there was one thing in common, a gun. It was a 44 caliber bulldog revolver. So one gun, five shootings, suggested a psychopathic killer was stalking the city. A tough city was suddenly on the edge, you know. So soon 300 officers were on a hunt. They were, there were also numerous distinct police sketches compiled for, from statements by witnesses to the shootings. A a national wanted poster blazed across the network news, which the if you look at it, a lot of them those um mug, those um images don't match Berkowitz, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So in April nineteen seventy seven, the killer struck again. This time in the Bronx. Wrong. Suddenly, the nameless monster who had been stalking the city for eight months had a, had a name. He introduced himself in a letter dropping dropped at the crime scene, a name that would go down for history, which is the Son of Sam. And it stated, I am the Son of Sam. Now, a journalist by the name Maury Terry is, you know, who, who is who has been covering the Son of Sam story for more than 25 years, he goes and he starts getting into it. He's like, okay, there's something behind this. There's more to this 
than what we're being shown, you know? Yeah. So he says they realize they're de- they're dealing with something very serious and they realize that the same person who is responsible for all the other stuff because they were referenced back to Queens. So in the letter he referenced back to Queens, he referenced his other murders. So the letter told of being commanded to go out and kill by someone called Father Sam. It closed with, I'll be back. A month later, another letter appeared. This time, mailed to the communist Jimmy Breslin, who had been writing about the Son of Sam crimes for the Daily News. Those words from the very pen of the Son of Sam still burn in Breslin's memory. So he states that it said, Hello from the sidewalks of New York. Ants that feed on the dried blood in the cracks of the sidewalks of the city of New York. He had that Candace... um, and then he says, I remember when I read it, I said, this guy could take my place with a column. He had that big city beat to his writing. It was sensational. So apparently, Berkowitz can write. <laughs> yeah. You know? So beyond sensationism, the letters contained bizarre references and symbols. The police wrote it off as a lunatic raving contribute contributing to a city sense of dread. And in June 1977, less than a month after the second letter, Son of Sam was back right in Queens. Another young couple was shot in their car outside the dis- this disco and were both injured but survived. The seventh shooting created more, in- more tension and in an already jittery Big Apple. Discos and other late night spots were empty and the city truly felt on the siege it was the su- the summer of sam weeks weeks sometimes months would go by between shootings and before long it would be the one year anniversary of the first attack july 29 1977 the son of sam considered this his own macrabi holiday in the, in that letter to Jimmy Brislin, he had asked, "What would what will you have for July 29th? The son of Sam had already picked out his girl, his gift. My bad. And when that gift arrived, it was a couple day. It was a couple of days late, and in a new part of town, Brooklyn, right here in Bath Beach Park. July 31st. 1977, as soon as the detectives, the detectives familiar with the method of Son of Sand arrived at the scene, they knew their man had struck again. The crime scene had all the hallmarks of Son of Sam. Robert Violente and his date, Stacy Moskowitz, were shot in their car. The gun was again the infamous 44 Bulldog revolver. So... So a guy named Tommy 
Zaino, um, who was parked right in front of um, Violante and Stacy Mosquitt's car, said he got a good look at the shooter. There was another sketch and a witness, and the witness um, said they saw a yellow Volkswagen making a getaway. So... In, in early August 1977, the killer had had been on that prowl for more than a year. There was six dead, seven wounded. No one can escape the son of Sam, is what everybody is assuming. It seemed like he was everywhere, and the cops were all over the city, were, and they were on the lookout for this yellow Volkswagen. Um, but they were coming out short, you know? And I think it was like that year, like Volkswagen was like a big thingy, you know? So a lot of the suspects the police had been following all had alibis for the night of the Musquit killing, I mean shooting. Um, They were confusing sketches that seemed to look like different people. Police had been concentrating their efforts in Queens and the Bronx. This was the first that Son of Sand shot in Brooklyn. They now had a new part of the city to worry about. But then a new witness, Brooklyn resident Cecilia Davis, out walking her dog, Snowball, the night of Moscow's shooting, stepped forward to tell police of a man she seen walking by her just before the shots rang out. Davis supplied one fact that would change everything. She told police that she watched the man remember the man she remembered remove a ticket from his car, illegally parked at a particular hydrant. The police traced it to the car owned by a um, postal worker living in the city of Yonkers, David Berkowitz. Thinking Berkowitz was a, an important witness, an NYPD detective called Yonkers and a city like 12 miles. 12 miles north of Manhattan and asked the police for some help tracking him down. Mike Novotny was a sergeant at the police, at the Yonkers Police Department. According to Novotny, the Yonkers police had their own suspicions about Berkowitz in connection with other strange crimes in Yonkers, crimes they saw referenced in one of the Son of Sam's letters. To the shock of the NYPD, they told the New York City detectives that Berkowitz might just be son of Sam. So, you know, NYPD officers race to Yonkers. Um, but I know you're like saying, well, where's the conspiracy? Now, here's the thing is, first, how do I put this? Because um, I'm just going to get straight to it. Remember those um, sketches? They all contradict one another. Like I said, one showed it where it was like a blonde, it was supposed to be a blonde hair, skinnier guy. Another one showed it where it kind of looked like David. Then another one was like, um, like very curly hair. Then there was like the shaggy hair. And it was just like, okay, what's going on? And they were saying, oh no, he's thin. He's chunky. He's thin. He's tall. He's short. It was so many different stuff. That it was like, why, why can't it be 
more than just one person. And then the letter states, Father Sam. Father Sam is hungry, you know. Um, and then it will say the sons of Sam. So remember, his neighbor is Sam Carr. Sam Carr has two sons. Now, who's to say that David, when he was saying that him and the the Carr um, brothers were a part of a cult, they weren't, you know, doing these stuff. And then uh, if you look on the Netflix episode, Uh, what's his face? Um, one of the brother cars goes to, I think it's Wyoming or Minnesota. I'm trying to remember. Um, and they find him that he was killed. He killed himself. Like, my question is, what happened to him that he felt he had to kill himself? Okay. You know, like, it's it's a lot of questioning and a lot of things is where it's just certain things is always, why is this the way it is? Why is it this way? Why is it that way? Um, and I don't want to seem like I'm just repeating what I said earlier because I feel like that's what's going on. Like, I'm repeating the story again. Um, but I'm trying to yeah. read to you, read to everybody, like, the um, what they say was going on during those times. And where everybody's mind was thinking about. But. There's so many theories. That um like. This Maury Terry guy. He he goes very deep sea dive. Into, he even wrote a book. Um, that outlined. Every scenario that he thought. Could be. Plausible of why. David wasn't alone on this. You know. Right. So I'm, because I don't want to be circling around, around and around. <laughs> um, but like, some they met at, oh, what is that freaking park? So the cult supposedly met um, in a park in Yonker called Untermeyer Unter Park. And that's where they would hold like their sacrifices and their... They would sacrifice animals, chant and whatnot, which I'm not going to go into the whole satanic um, craze that happened around that time as well. But um, it just makes you think about like, okay, could it be more than just him? You know, it's just, I don't know. I feel like, yes, it could have been him. Because he's good at being a marksman. But the thing is, some of his killings, he shot multiple times. Now, if you are good at being a marksman, you know that first shot is going to be the fatal shot. You got it. You know? Mm -hmm. So, I'm just like, mm, what's going on? You know? So, what's your opinion yeah. on the matter? Uh, okay, so as I'm hearing this, I got a, I got a, a couple, um, a couple things came to my mind. Sure. Um, 
one, right from the beginning, you said that this case caused, in my words, mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. Yeah. Everybody's scared. All the women were changing their hair, putting scalp, you know, like anything to hide their brown hair because that's why Son of Sam, what well, we know him as now, was targeting. Yeah, until Stacy. Stacy was blonde hair. Right. But I mean, until then, everybody thought he was just hunting brown haired women. Yes. Thankfully, I got highlights, so I'm good. Right. So, um,. My first, my first thought of is one. Unfortunately, the United States military trained him, mm-hmm. which is not good. Yeah. He was a proficient marksman. So, is it easy for him to be in a car, walk around, see a couple of ladies, shoot them down, and keep walking and getting his car and go somewhere else? Yes, quite easily. You know, even though. He didn't do it all the same day, but there was, you know, maybe a month or less in between each case. Yeah. Um, with the hysteria, I can understand why people say he was tall. No, he was short. No, he had shaggy hair. No, he had blood from fear. Now, do I think that there's a shot in the dark that there was somebody else or more than one person? Sure. Because 1970, 1980 was, for me, from what I remember, a lot of copycats. Yeah. You know, like someone killed, some of them killed six, and then somebody else like, oh, I like what he did. Let me try to do it and just copycat the same thing. You know, yeah, and they all and they, you know they were usually just pinned on one person. Yeah, so one. Um, of, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So one of the things is, um, what also makes it where it's like could what David Berkowitz say of there was more to it be where it's the truth. So here's here's a case in a scenario, and I want your honest opinion on this. In one of the letters, he states about. Um, he dropped some names, like for instance, John Wheaties. Now, John Wheaties, um, so John Carr, Sam Carr's son, his nickname was Wheaties. Okay. So then another thing is they're they're trying to say that also his brother John's brother, um, Michael. Um, he was also involved. Now, weird scenario, and I don't know if it was an accident. Some people say it wasn't. Some people say it was. Um, Michael Carr died in a traffic accident on Manhattan West Side Highway. Um, so it's also said that he was that Michael was one of the gunmen for one of the shootings in Queens as well as John. So this is what I'm saying is like, there's so many different storylines. So what do you think? Could these brothers also I be mean, part of the whole scenario? Sure. Sure. 
Um, could could Sunnyside recruited them? Sure. Could um, Mr. Mr. Um, what's his name? Mr. Carr, whoever that I forget the father's name. Sam. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that's where it's like, okay, son uh, okay. of Sam. Sam and his two sons both die mysteriously okay. ways. I got that part. Yeah. I forgot that his name is Sam. But, and then I know that he also says, he says son of Sam at, at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave, usually in these cases, the, the media gives you your name as far as the 44 caliber killer. Yeah. That was the media. You could tell that that was the media. And then Santa Sam did not come up until he said, I am some son of Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in, I'm a little bit com- not confused, but I'm a little bit on the fence. I think it was him. I think it was the son of Sam Berkowitz. Um, at the same time, I did read up while you were talking that one of the car sons died in 1978. Yes, that was, that was John Kerr. And he, it was actually, I, I mistaken, okay. said um, Minnesota or um, Iowa, but it was actually North Dakota. I was close. I was close. I was close last match. Close enough, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, could he know that he was part of it and kill himself off not to be prosecuted? Sure, that's plausible. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, they already got him. He's probably gonna write us out. I'm out and kill himself. Um, so, and like the, the same, the, the thing about the cult to be a cult, you don't need many people. You could have Sam Carr, his two sons, and James Burke, and um, James is it David Burke David. Is, and that's a cult because it's more than four or five people. True. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I no, mean, I understand. Usually cults are known for a lot of people, but I think yeah. four or five can start it. Yeah. So, um, but at the end, but the, the real reason I think they blamed it on David Berkowitz was to calm the hysteria. Yeah, we need people to get back to work. We need people to relax. We need people to, you know, relive their lives, not be hiding, you know, because not for nothing. Like as we know now, because of COVID and all that stuff, politicians and businesses are more worried about money, and that's mm-hmm. why they're opening up everything so soon, because the businesses are losing money, the government's losing money, everybody's losing money. We need to get everybody back to work. And, and shopping again. Yeah. So the hysteria lasted for more than a year, at least a year. I'll say that. So I think they're just like, mm, that's him. We'll arrest him. Everybody will calm down. Somebody's under arrest. It's all good. We got him. And try to hush the, what they call, what's, what's the, uh, the hysteria. Yeah. Uh, not the hysteria, the, um, Crazy stories, I'll say like that yeah. because I can't remember the, the, the proper word for it. You know, like, oh no, there's more than one, you know, but blaming one and arresting one 
calms everybody down. True. I think that's the main reason they blamed him, they arrested him, and he's still in jail because of it. Oh, most definite, you know, most definite. Um, I I feel like he was. It was just easier to blame him and say, "Oh, he did it. He done did it." Yeah. yeah. And be able to say, "Okay, case closed. Bye." You know, kind yeah. of scenario. It calms everybody down. Everybody. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I I like I said, I definitely believe that. They really wanted to blame, get one person in, blame him for it, arrest him. Everybody were like, "Oh, oh, thank God, they finally got him. We could, we could go back out now. We could go, you know, go clubbing, go discoing, whatever that term was back then. Yeah, and start living again. So, I'm almost like, if there was any other person arresting him and having him in prison." Calmed everything else back down, and they, the police, did not care about anybody else. Of course, we not we now know that John Carr, not too much later, killed himself. Yep. So, a year later. He, yeah. So I I definitely think that he could have been part of that cult that he kept talking about. I also think that Sam Carr was the leader of that cult. Mm-hmm. If I want to go into conspiracy theories and craziness. Yeah, because I mean, like he's he was smart. He was, you told me in in what you were reading, he was a smart guy. He was just a loner. He went to the military. He was proficient in gun in, in shooting people because he was a gunman. So I mean, you can't really be a gunman, be proficient at it, and be stupid. True. You understand what I'm saying? Like. The skills and the things you need to learn to how to hold the gun, how to unload a gun, how to reload it, how to be in a certain position to be able to kill whoever you need to kill and get the flank out of there. Yeah. It's not, not it's a stupid person cannot, cannot do it. I'll say that. No, most definitely. That's, that's what I think happened. So... I honestly think that it was all three of them. Um, but either way, you know, the other two brothers are dead. One by their own hands. The other one is a mystery. They want to say it was a tragic car accident. But the way it looked, um, they said it doesn't look like a, it was just an accident. It looks like, you know, he was. He was killed. Yeah. Um, he was killed. Yeah, you know. Um, and then the father never said anything. You know, Sam Carr never said anything about anything. Um, Why and so, but yeah, but by now Why he's already he? dead. He's already dead. He's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the only one that's still alive is David. And he's at the point where he's not making any more, you know, not really like making any more motions and trying to be free anymore. He's just like, okay, I'll deal with the time. I'm an old fart already, yeah. so I might as well just live it out. Die. Yeah. 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 Just die here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, if you guys have any additional information you want to add to this, you can guys can always email us at murderousintentions.com 
gmail.com. Or you can um, leave us a message on Instagram at murderous underscore intentions underscore podcast. Or, of course, you can always tweet us at capital M, capital I, true cry podcast. So drop us um, any info you want to say. If you want us to do a case that seems that is for you is important or you just want to hear about it, go ahead and let us know. Also, I'm sorry that this was kind of like a a whirlwind moment. But yeah, I I was so infatuated with, I mean, I was so convinced with the whole conspiracy theories that it was just like, it was very mind boggling to me and I wanted to jump on it, you know, but yeah. So tell us your opinion, let us know. And once again, thank you for coming back for season two and we hope you guys have fun and enjoy season two with us. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. See you next week.